cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not, it's, oh, not it's heavy. Soft on time, it's, it's heavy. Okay. And a massive warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. We're all absolutely itching to get going with this because we've got plenty to talk about. And joining me are my usual partners in crime, John Lang. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Lang. And also. Good evening to uh, Law Malvo off Twitter. Very entertaining account if you're not following him. Chris, good evening. Good evening. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And we're discussing, obviously, the climax of the Grand National meeting. We've got we've got plenty on this show to talk about from JP McManus, Ted Walsh, Clark Watch, Ben Keith, you name it. And as well, Jimmy Lindley to finish, where I've, I've also got a nice one for you to follow. Really uh, out of the box, this one. So, uh, right, without further ado, we'll look back at the uh, Grand National Meeting, which... To be fair, had in, had plenty of incident. You know, my piss was boiled several times this week, as John's was, and probably Chris's as well. That's yeah. what it's all about, this this beautiful game. We go to the Thursday then, and we'll go through some of the races. Miller's Bank winning the uh, the novice chase, the manifesto. Any any view on that, John, Chris? Yeah, back the fucking thing at Cheltenham when it ran like shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's like me. I mean, tree trunk, the tizard snout. He always says, he says, keys, he says, you should back your horses next time out because they don't do the business whenever you tip them. <laughs> He's probably got a point. But yeah, Miller's bike jumped really well. Obviously very impressive. Earn River never, never went a yard in that race, which was a rather disconcerting. Pete Daw, he just ran. Pete Daw, he's one of them horses that either looks a world beater or, or looks dreadful. Very weak in the market he was as well. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it, with some of Nichols's, although they're not, a, in quotes, a punting stable, the, the market is a pretty reasonable guide, certainly on the ones that aren't going to, uh, are going to underperform. Uh, and that was desperately weak, I thought. Yeah. I mean, we should, we shouldn't knock, I mean, apart from, apart from the birds there, I mean, you should knock it in three, really. Four grade ones they kicked off with on yep. Thursday. And the next grade one was, Night salute and uh, this this is what boiled my piss. Night salute beating Pied Pipe, not not necessarily the result because I didn't really have a vested interest in the race. But when the klaxon went on the stewards after the dead eater, I analysed the footage and thought, you've got to be an absolutely absolute fucking idiot to mess around with the result here. Sure enough, <laughs> as uh, British racing sort of continually shoots itself in the foot. Uh, over the years, they changed the result to Night Salute winning the race and Pied Piper second. But before I give my piece on it, I'd like to hear John's take and Chris's take on yeah. the stewards stewarding of this race. Just just to get some divergence, you might have different opinions. John, what what were your thoughts? Well, unless we're going to start novice hurdles and two mile races from starting styles, I don't see where they're coming from at all, really. Because I mean, they don't start them off level. It, it, it's trying to make it too exact to say. I mean, what what if that? collision that happened at the first hurdle they, they start saying we're going to take that into account yeah. absolute load of bollocks i mean the brain itching to stick one up fatty since he had that photograph done and i think that's been part of it 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think you, you're probably right. They had the opportunity, and, they, and I think they took it with, with with both hands. People say you're crazy to even suggest that, but to me, it looked just flabbergasted. Chris, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same. I mean, I think the jockey's evidence obviously suggested or strongly suggested that the, that the outcome wasn't effective. But I suppose if I, I had a horse and I, I'd be, I wouldn't book Paddy Brendan because that's the second time I've seen him saying, "Oh no, I, I'm a sportsman, etc." It didn't affect the result. I'd want him to be going saying, "Yeah, I, I'd have won ten lengths were it not for that." So yeah, people applauding his sportsmanship. But if I was an owner, I'd be gutted him coming on there saying that uh, yeah. you know. Things fair. I'd want him. I'd want him. I'd want uh, you know George Carmen in there, frankly. But look, uh, yeah, it was, it was an odd decision. I suppose the stewards were perhaps trying to emphasise the fact that, that they're very, very objective in their view by effectively, you know, disregarding the jockey's evidence. But you've got to ask yourself, then, if that's the case, then why bother hearing from them anyway? There's an argument either way. I mean, I don't know what jockeys typically say in stewards' rooms, but the few that I've seen, that you know, they seem at pains to say that the result's not been affected. And I suppose, you know, it all talks to the camaraderie of the weighing room, doesn't it? I'd be gutted if I had Paddy Brennan up on money of mine, that's for sure. Yeah, from an owner's perspective, yes. But like like you've, you've highlighted, if this was, say, a court of law and it was an assault charge, and Paddy Brennan says, no, no, nothing to see here, you know, move yeah. along, move along. You yeah. know, the prosecution case all of a sudden starts to fall down. They more or less have to chuck it out. And that's what made it more bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so Paddy Brennan said that, saying, no, I was I was taking a pull into the last because I didn't yeah. want it at the front too soon. And whether that's jockey camaraderie, like you say, or... or, or... I, I think it is. I mean, yeah. I... I... That's the sense I get is, you know, they've got to ride against these people. And, and if, if the interference is marginal, then I think they're going to, to sort of go down the line of saying, well, you know, it was six or one half a dozen the other. Clearly, if it's sort of, you know, overt interference, they're going to say, yeah, I, I would have won were it not for that. But, yeah, I, I, if I was an owner, I'd, I'd kind of want him to put up a, a, a better case for, for, for me, frankly. Yeah, um, and, and I think I think Twitter agreed with with what we're what we're saying in terms of changing the result. But but one person who didn't agree with me, and I was I was arguing with him quite vociferously on chat room, was uh, Christian Strangeway, a good, good friend of mine, professional yeah. punter. He was of the view it should have gone. I am not happy with this line of sort of uh, judgment. I'll tell you why, because where does it stop now after this? Do we then go back to the third last? What happens if it happens at the third last or the second last? Or it kind of opens up like cans of worms. You start going further back into races. Bearing in mind, it was a magnificent finish where they had 200, 200 odd yards after the last. It's quite a long running entry. And where they stayed gun barrel straight, the pair of them, they never touched. And it was like hammer and tongs, jockeys in full flight, right to the line. It was on the nod. If it had been a nod before, then it's it's the other one. If it nod before, and so on and so on. How can you start bringing misdemeanors in from further out? Because like like you said, Chris, in a way, I had one last year at Newbury. It was a night meeting. I can't remember the names of the horses. Too many gins and too far back. But yeah. what I will say is, the winner broadsided me at the start, out of the stall, crossed over me. I had to snatch up, badly hampered. I was beaten a neck by it at the line, right? 100% I'd have beaten it if that didn't take place. There wasn't even a steward's inquiry. Now, no. what are we doing? Are we saying that, right, then everything has to be looked at during a race where we're going to have lots of steward's inquiries if that's the case? Um, I yeah. do take on board the comments of... 
people that say, well, winning, we don't kick enough out. You can literally get away with murder. I do take that on board and I agree with that. I think also, like John says, on past episodes where the problem is they've given the stewarding jobs to like ex-jockeys, you know, thick people that just have no right to be making judgments on people's money. Marginal, wasn't it? That's the thing. It wasn't so you say, well, you know, it's a bit harsh, but you can see it was, it was, you could barely quantify the, the interference, couldn't you? That's the problem. It's, it was a fact, but it was it was so unclear. I think the safest result would be to keep it, keep it as it is, because it was, you know, it was six or one half a dozen the other. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, for me, we'll end up like VAR, where you start drawing lines and you start you start saying, well, 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 it was a dead eat, and, and it did come across it slightly. And yes, it probably sort of stopped its momentum a little bit. And, yeah. and well, if it's a dead eat, then it's got to get the race. But yeah. and you've seen it now, you play, players will get literally tapped on the little toenail by another player, chuck themselves to the floor, but yeah. because it's technically a foul because the other players tapped them, you've, you're playing into the hands of the, again, the victimhood, the afflicted, the, yeah. and, and this is where jockeys, if, if the rule, if, if they start making decisions like that, jockeys will start making meals of things and saying, well, look at this, you know, he's chopped me up and then snatch up really badly and then and make it look worse, that make situations worse than it is. I don't want to see situations where the victim is over, overly supported. I think it has to be, it should be, unlike America, categorically clear that a, a real offence took place. You, you can absolutely 100% see that the second would have won or whatever, this, than this, than this, other, before you start messing with yeah, and, and, you know, it's not, you're not looking at athletes, uh, human athletes running in lanes where someone stuck their arm out and shoved someone over. You know, you, there has to be a little bit of acknowledgement of the fact that these people are riding horse, none of whom know really what, what the objective is. And so, so you know, I, I think a bit of common sense should should come into play. But, but clearly it didn't apply this week, that's for sure. For sure. So that's the, some of the bastards' take on it. Interesting to hear your take on it. Get in touch with us on Twitter if you disagree. Any of the comments made, we love discussion an alternative opinion, but not too alternative. 255 was the bet- Betway Bowl chase. Clandes Erber coming right back to his best under the blinds. I felt on the day it was the right move to put the blinds on for uh, for the first time. The horse looks sourer than me with no gin, Newbury. And he sort of come back to the form of last year. It was a good performance, chaps. Yeah, the horse is an enigma, I think, is the, is the polite way of describing it. It's one of those... Yeah. I think as many Nicholses are that they're kind of like you just can't see the handle on them. I, that yard for me is just unfathomable. I mean, you know, they can run like drains and then all of a sudden they pop up at prices. Don't know. You know, I suppose the owners don't care. They can no. copy the prize money, but from a punting perspective, it's like, ooh, never sure what's going to happen with them. No. Then the entry hurdle was won by Epitont. Again, the old mayor's allowance debate. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm in the camp of it's too much. Uh, literally, uh, you can see that I, I pointed stats out, and I know I know breeders and stuff are saying, "Well, we we want to we want we want to like encourage people to to run and breed mares," and I, I get that, I, I I do get it, but they've upped it from five to seven pounds since back in the early two thousands. For me, it's obviously too much. Now I know it doesn't make a difference here, like it's one by fourteen lengths. I know that if you add up over time, it, it, the two pounds difference is going to make a difference to some finishers for example when epitant dead eaten with not so sleepy at newcastle things like that you know this is my point that i think mares are too fairly treated we've we seen a, an abundance of mares uh winning grade, grade one to get against the males and I, I just i'm not 
I'm not a fan. I, I want to see championship racing with, with fair allowances. People in betting aren't daft. They know when the allowances are wrong. They bet three year, They used to bet three-year-olds in June and July against the older horses because the allowances were just miles out. That's my point. Get it right. £7 is too much for a top-class mare racing against other top-class males. It's the overjumps. It's that simple. The, the stats prove it. The, 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 you know, it's a system in itself. You, you can't, over the years since they, they made it seven pounds, you're making plenty. So it's wrong. It's out, it's out of kilter. And I'm not into all this. Well, you know, let's encourage it. No, let's not encourage it. Let's knock it down a five. John, any view on mayor's allowances? Nothing contradictory to what you're saying. Um, I, I don't think it's worth pointing out with this epitaph. I think this has been a really good piece of training from Popeye, actually, because I think he's got this house back better than ever. I think the house is in better nick now than when it won the championship. Well, it could also be that, that she she just might have wanted this trip for a while. You yeah. know, I was worried about her getting home, really, because she, she pulled quite hard in the race, but yet saw it out really well. And, I, and I'm thinking, I wonder if... I, she's eight. Well, she's eight this year. Obviously, she's been if kept in training. She'll be nine next year. I wonder if that was a thing. Maybe she'd have gone over two and a half miles before now. Maybe on to Friday then, chaps. And wanker Dan John, <laughs> <laughs> blagged in in the uh, absolutely lagged up in handicap hurdle grade three opener. With a paper and made it one of the best bets in Cheltenham, wasn't it, really? Yes. Good evening, listeners. Yeah. I've, I've, I've never seen so many slips posted on Twitter and after time in saying, yeah. if you haven't backed Langadan, you shouldn't be in the game. Langadan was the obvious banker of the week. <laughs> but, but there's, there's a system here, you know, Lee. And the, the system is follow the shit out of whatever our fancy long term for the Coral Cup that, does, <laughs> that doesn't turn up. Yeah. Because yeah. usually they turn out to be extremely good arses. There's a pair there in them somewhere. Not yeah. for me, obviously. Oh, that one, would he? That system in his old book, fine form. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> good old Clivell. Got me into the game, really. Got He seriously got me interested in racing. I, that, that, it's a sad admission. But he did. I, I must have read his book 78 times as a teenager. And um, I, I recommend anyone reads it because good old Clive, he could have to time a good winner. <laughs> it was intriguing reading, though. The Irish coffee at ADOC after he'd had 17 notes on one at sixes. Kind of thought, I wish I was there to have the Irish coffee. And, you... the, and the unopened wage packets from the gas board. Absolutely, might... yeah. yeah. The uno- I, I, built, I, I built up my betting tank with the unopened wage packets, yeah. 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 Oh, no. he, he sold the dream yes I, sh- I recommend bookmakers should li- should read Cl- Clive Holt's book and start selling the dream again instead yeah. of selling an absolute shit show in yeah. trying to get bets on lots of people moaning today they can only have 83 pence on the Grand National oh, and that sums the game up I'm afraid at the moment online John Bond ended up uh, sending Popeye into a gin frenzy after it out-battled Mullins Beast, El Fabiolo. John Bond was the start of uh, many doubles that day with Fakir Duderi's job. Wasn't he just? Um, I thought he showed a lot of bottle, actually, that I wasn't entirely sure what he possessed. And uh, I, was, I was quite impressed with the arse, really. I was stuck on there. Do you know, I, I disagree with you here, because if you watch Adolf back, and I made this point, 
I think on an earlier pod about about Haydock, where he was badly ridden. I think it was Nico on him that day. I mean, it probably explains right. it. But but you know, I mean, Nico had sort of dropped him out. Haydock over the Brian Hughes had, had gone to the yeah, front yeah. on McCain's, and we all know Haydock. It's not quite the two miles. It's quite a sharp track um, on the hurdles course. And I just felt that I thought he did well to win there. He, he looked well beat. I think he went like twelves in running. He he looked in trouble at Haydock because I think of the ride. All the tactics given, you know, by Popeye. So I do think John Bond impressed me that day. So I wasn't as surprised as some. A few said to me, oh, I was surprised how much John Bond found. So you weren't on your own job. But... I, I, I think I have a little bit of a nagging doubt in my mind from Cheltenham because I, I did think at the time he might have curled up a bit when Constance Joseph Hill pissed clear of him. Yeah. But clearly not. Yeah. It, it now proves that Constitutional's a, a, an absolute quality animal. Proper ass, isn't it? Yeah, proper ass. And then Ahoy Senor uh, winning the 255. Bit of a non-event for me because even though he's probably the most talented of those novice chasers in terms of engine, he's very quirky. And I think the jumping to the right actually put them all off because the, the first one to sit outside him was, was Cobden on Brave Man's Game. Ahoy Senor jumped across. Then Cobden switched to the inside forced thick Charlie Deutsch to go to the outside and then kind of put that off for a bit because he kept on jumping right. And I, and whilst, yeah, I was it, it was still a nice performance from Roy Senor, I just don't think anything performed in that. No, they didn't, did they? I mean, Redman's game was shit. Yeah, he didn't really. But Nichols, like I said, Nichols all week. Some have ran well, some have ran absolutely desperate all week for Nichols. It's it's a funny yard, the Nichols yard at times. It's like he sent them out of an ace as a satellite yard, isn't it? Hey, did you know, I read an article this week, John, and I I don't know if you've read it. I think Venetia's really trying, you know, because she got asked about a a dress sense, you know, and and a coats and a... And address yeah. the racing post. And she said, Well, she says, I am unmarried, you know, so I've, I'm still trying, she said. Oh, well. <laughs> there you go. There's no She's trying. So Venetia is trying. There we go. She's, she's off. <laughs> anyway, Fakir Daderis then wins the marsh. Obviously, you know, as soon as Shipman got up sides, you knew that was going to curl up like a big turd, which it did. Fakir in the end won nicely for the for the obvious double backers who were booming over to boom. Boom. The booms were really on fire then. If you if you if you ever watch Twitter, it's quite funny. All the big, you know, fifty pound double, hundred pound double, twenty pound double, you know, obvious double, of course. To follow up Langadan. If you haven't backed Langadan or you haven't had that double, you're an idiot. So we 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 then move yeah, so then we, we moved on to the top of all three of us being idiots. <laughs> and uh, Mac yeah. Totte for the Boeing family. And, and to be honest, this this got me going, actually, because I, I I was like, I, I'm a, I, of course I'm a racing fan. And, and when you see things like James Bowen had to ride for Popeye, he missed the ride, it was his ride, Sean got on. And to see James sprinting from the, the last fence and, and and then like congratulate his brother and hugging his dad after like I just thought that were nice because I, I the, the, the certain trainers and owners you wouldn't feel that way you, you know you'd think well you yourself you're entitled you you've got plenty you know it doesn't it doesn't kind of pull on the art strings as much but that for me did because I just felt for the brother 
to show that much. Me being me being a bastard, I, I'd probably go, ah, ah, fuck him, that, that was my man. Let's just point out that the handicapper deserves a red hot poker up the end of his cock. Or, <laughs> because it's not five minutes since it wins it. Entry anyway off one three five. It does nothing to justify the the seven pound drop in between. I mean, it's pulled up and fell in two of the bar runs. Yeah, the Newcastle run was a non-event, a three-hour race. Where I was having a skull round. He's back off the same fucking mark and they've held the cells. Well, I don't blame them, but come on, Mister Handicapper, let's have a a bit of realism about this. Yeah. No, fair point. Like you said, same season as well. You like you say it's not like it's, it's not long enough between drinks, John, is it? He's been well enough back then. No, they know what what was going on there, don't they? Yeah. No, well, that's why probably 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 James had, had three or four grand on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why he's run, that's why he's running like that from the last. Fucking hell. Three or four, and I had a beating. <laughs> So yeah, right. So that that's the bastard's take on uh, the emotional moment described by racing yeah. TV and all the the yeah. publications, uh, expertly oh, summed up. The cock of the handicapper. Expertly yeah. summed up by John Ling as, as usual. We've gone to uh, today's uh, well, no, yesterday's racing. Sorry. We look at the the Mersey Novice Zirdle where Three Stripe Life did the business. I really fancied North Lodge. Um, thought that yeah. more in the tank with that. It's a nice horse for next season. It finished fuller run to the line. It's not been heavily campaigned. I like what they're doing with that. Owned by the McNeil family as well, John. And the daughter got a uh, got a, got an outing on ITV today. I wouldn't call it an outing, you know. I mean, we haven't heard she's raving lesbo or out like that. <laughs> I, I, I just get the feeling that the next move from ITV will be to give young Ella a bit of a screen test. It would not surprise me if she was making an appearance before so long. Yeah. Did you like her, John? Well, she can speak clearly. She's obviously been to a good school. She's got the right background, hasn't she? She ticked all the boxes for an open competi- open recruitment competition where the best candidate gets the job. That's the mm-hmm. way that, that's the way racing works, isn't it? Always. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Carl Swanson's been on regarding ITV coverage, and I wasn't watching the ITV coverage uh, uh, for the meeting. I know, I, John, you've told me you have it on as background noise, but he says... Yeah, it's in the other room. Um, what, <laughs> what it is, I, I don't like sitting in silence, and I just have it on for a bit of background, and I'm, I'm, I'm sat in the other room with my computer, and... Uh, I thought you were going to say cock out, then. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, let's be fair. If Megan Nichols is interviewing Element, I'm not going to be in the fucking dining room when that's on in the living room, am I? Yeah, yeah. Think about it. New car key festival, isn't it? Jesus. Oh. You're, you're telling me you're like a plasterer's radio, honestly. <laughs> So, so Mr. Swanson's been on and said it's shambolic coverage from Gleason to Chapman. It's a lack of coverage for the horses. They go on about fashion sense and all sorts of rubbish. Can any of you two clarify? Because obviously, I'm a I'm a racing TV Nevison man. Well, I don't know what the little fuck's going on with Gleason. I mean, he used to be fairly adequate summarising results and betting on RTA. 
And he, he's on there. It's like he's having half a stone of Charlie before he goes on. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bizarre style. He's you know, I mean, he, he's so pumped up. I mean, it's beyond belief. Yeah, and he's right in a moment with these piss artists and what have you in the ring. I mean, what what the hell that kind of coverage is bringing to the sport? I don't know. We hardly had time to enjoy Gleason's contribution in between the fucking Snow Leopardess show. With Death oh, yeah. and the yeah. And the entire clan. I mean, they did well to raise a smile, to be honest, because they're... Uh, Sonak getting found out with this tax riddle and that. They must have all been uh, getting getting a bit skittery, all, all the Fox Pit Plunkett clan and whatever you... Uh, <laughs> uh, all, all the rest of it, because uh, if it all gets closed down, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the the members will be uh, revolted, I dare say. Um, well, it's nice to see working-class people enjoying a sport of kings, I thought. Well, that's it. It was like the story about the little people, wasn't it? You know, but yeah. in this case, the little people are about 2,000 rolling acres. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, at least with the flat, the flat doesn't do anything other than sort of support the narrative that it's a it's a, it's a sport of plutocrats and billionaires. But what I've just <laughs> kind of sort of idea that oh well you know it's a kind of a sport for everyone well no the, the little people in national hunt races are still fabulously wealthy skins of industry you know and landed gentry you know the oh, fact I mean, is that granny's only got 16 combined harvesters hasn't she yeah. <laughs> that's just to do her hair i think well well when they started up with the national anthem before they were going to the start i thought it was granny doing the soprano bit <laughs> yeah, it was uh, yeah that was <laughs> Very, it's cringeworthy, isn't it? It's just the whole thing is cringeworthy. It's just, oh, it just t- sets your teeth on edge, isn't it? Well, I, I ended up, I, I ended up back in Snow Leopardess to win a monkey just as yeah. consolation, just in case, because yeah. I, I thought I can't, I literally can't take this if this wins. No, it'll be, it'll be unbearable, wouldn't it? It's yeah. just horrific. God Almighty, can you imagine? Four, Forty quid at fourteens on the machine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Away, it's amazing we have to go through we have to back horses so we don't feel pain if yeah, something oh, wins and everybody was great i counted she must have used that word great about 30 times in about two minutes the great ted walsh the great ruby walsh the great so-and-so everyone was great okay so we move on to the three o'clock which was the uh, poundland uh, maggle novices chase and interesting i thought here chaps that um, for pleasure, decided to throw everyone a curveball and one in the ghoulies for anyone that sort of like backed him as a back to lay at big prices, things like that. They decided to change tactics and let Wicked Willie and Mark Walsh make all. John, did you did you have any of you on this? Alex Hills, mate, about the winner. Eh? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I know for a fact if I were changing tactics, and that's that were obviously discussed by them, they thought. It, they were obviously riding the prize. I think they were riding for prize money. I think yeah. they've they've looked at that and thought, look, it's 12,700 12, for third. It's 6,300 for fourth. If we can get third, it's a right result. And it's like, well, they didn't get third because they no, were No, they looked at that and thought, well, pumpkin heads can run anyhow. And if we can't beat the dizzy tizzies, we want shooting. <laughs> Yes, and and then of course that just fell into the lap of gentle Demi, who was well uh, fancied, John by uh, Declan, 
good chase for the house on Friday night, yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Fair, I, I love Declan's Irish angles because he, he doesn't like short prices and he, he always tries to take on the, the obvious. And I, th- I think Edward Stone was vulnerable today. Do you think there were some maybe signs that Arkle had left its mark a little bit? Well, you know, maybe there was nothing that runs at Cheltenham should ever run again. So. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, like yeah, like we said at air the other week with the yes. Popeyes. Um, exactly. Yeah. Casing point. Casing point. So no, that was good stuff. The Liverpool hurdle was was won by were flooring Porter left punters flawed. Hopefully, blogger and people like that and stallion. Sayada Burley, another another key system job. Keys tipped yep. up at Cheltenham. I was, was going to say, you won't let that run loose at 16, did I you? Didn't, I didn't. I know that sound. I, I, don't, I hate saying that. You know, punters hate that, don't we? Oh, yeah, I've backed that. But, yeah, it, it, I, I'll tell you the truth. I had 80 quid at 24. Yeah. Just, just be, and only because of that reason, John, because literally I'm sick of backing horses that I like and think you've been primed for a certain occasion and then shit happens and then and, and then you get this today. And and it was sort of like the form from when they met before. Obviously, Florian Porter came out on top when they last met, um, 18th of March, 2021, in the Stairs Hurdle. So there's only three lengths to find, and I thought, well, 24s, it ain't bad, really. Well, it, it, you couldn't place it up to beat Florian Porter, but there's no way on God's brain there. It should have been 24, should it? So No. You, you had to do something when you were so confident that we'd run the big in that last term. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly thought it went attempt on what, when I, what I saw at Warwick, and then obviously one fell in front of it at Cheltenham, and it just didn't, it didn't perform. And it was and a slush year, wasn't it? So yeah, and then to finish the normal action, uh, you had a big mention for Sam Brown on the pod. Well, I don't know about big mention, you know, I think my contribution there was about 15 seconds. I did point out that the horse didn't like the the slop at Haddock and uh, would probably be freshened up for today and, uh, and might go well. So. Yeah, well, it was a double-edged sword for me because if I'd have come on the pod, I'd have tipped up two winners, but then I'd have made myself look an arse. Because I'd have definitely pulled you down on that one. I'd have said, I'd have said, no, it wants the slop, John. It's a slop beast. How wrong could I be for the uh, for Tony Blow job? Exactly. <laughs> and if he's not getting one tonight, he's doing the job wrong. Okay, so on to the Grand National itself, and a, a, a few talking points here before we get on to the race. JP playing the system. I think Calvin's gonna Tony Calvin's gonna be mentioning it on his podcast. I think on. On Monday, when he does it, he was upset at, at JP McManus taking out certain horses in the national. In fact, one of them he ran in the bloody Topham instead. It was it was Phoenix Way was due to run in the Grand National. He took it out of that and ran it in the Topham, and then and then got schoolboy hours in the in the national. What do we make of this, chaps? JP playing the system, shock. Yeah. Um... Is it is it cricket? Is it is 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 it? I mean. Obviously, it's within the rules because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be allowed. But it's not cricket, but we'd all do it. I mean, the one he he got in, good God, it had a better chance than Easy Land because Easy Land appears to be dead. Why would anybody run Easy Land when they have the option to do the other? It's probably not in the spirit of the thing, but I, I think it's a hard call to say none of us would do it. Yeah. But should should Phoenix Way then have been allowed to have run in the top of? Well, if it had run out at the first or something, he might have wanted to run it in the national. 
you know, and I mean, also, I mean, if you go back a bit, Churchtown Boy won a top one and then ran second in the national. It can be done. I mean, I know they're not doing it every year, but who are we to say you can't do that? It's his horse, if he's paying the entries. I'm not a fan, though. I, th- I think if you, it's like for Phoenix Way, he shouldn't have ran in, in the top of because he was down to run in the national. And that's, <laughs> you know, that, that, that for me. I don't think you can then just decide, well, I'm going to run here. I don't know. Well, well I think you disagree, John. You, you, you think, are, are you are you all fair with No, it? no, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I disagree in the spirit of it. It's just, he's acted within the rules, hasn't he? You know, I mean, I'm not saying I think the rule's right. I can see why he's done it. That, that That's a different game altogether, isn't it? Yeah. Chris? Well... I think I, I I agree with John. I mean, you know, he's not suggesting it's right, but if the, if the rules permit him to do it, I think we'd all do it, wouldn't we? You know, it's JP manners after all anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. We would. We'd do it. John would do it. Yeah. We'd all do it. So, so, yeah. So, so it's no good sitting on moral perches and saying, well, you know, because <laughs> we'd all do it. So, yeah, that we, we've kind of summed that right. up. On to the winner, Noble Yates. Which uh, of of this year's national, which was Sam Whaley Cohen's final ride? I mean, did you feel did you feel it, chaps, for the for the for the for the common man? You know, like the the, the did you get the tears yeah. and the and the adulation? Yeah. I did tears. I was peeling a fucking onion. That's why I was crying. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, no, good good for the working man. I say, uh, John. Yeah, nice to see the Lord orders begging away, winner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I found what I found what I found funny was the the aftermath. They're all sticking the microphones in, and Sam Whaley Cowan sat stood there with his kids. And who pops up behind? It wasn't Noble Yates. It was Dave Yates, John, straight in behind. And I'm thinking he's getting a bit close to Sam Whaley Cowan's children. It was rather unsavoury. He was pushing his way in, shoving his. Shoving his um well no no don't get the wrong impression it was he was shoving his dictaphone. I a metaphor. Like Forrest Gump, wasn't it? But yeah, it was there again. You know, no one, no one, no one. The Tony Calvin took offence and you know and 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 start and set about Dave Yates in the Sandown paddock, John. I mean, yeah. talk, talking to Tony, I mean, that's off to him. He tipped the winner in the wake at 95 on Metford. He did. He did. He didn't. Obviously, Tony's going through a lot of problems at the moment. We wish yeah. him well. Um, but yeah. that tip. I mean, Christ. Well, I mean, Calvin loves a big prize. You know, I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he's not daft. And I mean, he, he knows Emmett's got a character to what he's slave, doesn't he? So. Probably a good shout and cheap piece his first time has clearly made all the difference to that ass. What what do we what do we make, chaps, of Betfair SP here? Fifty to one was the industry SP. The Betfair yeah. SP was twenty nine point one. But I know we're saying criminal, John. I mean I mean, is is this Emmett Emmett Mullins doing a Ronan McNally and wanting as some someone's just gone in and had like twenty thousand? Betfair SP and, and cause an absolute ripple or ten thousand. I don't know what would cause a ripple uh, to that magnitude, but clearly somebody's had a pork rage at their death, haven't they? Oh yeah, hey. I could see bet. I could see Betfair marketing that in the racing purse for the next few years when they keep going on about how good it is uh, with the with the walls ices on Betfair. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, 50, 50 to one Grand National with a twenty nines we paid. Yeah. <laughs> 
have that then. I stick that stick that one right up. I mean, I mean, obviously, I, I'm, I'm, I, look, I, I can't say this with certainty, but I say this with pretty much, um, yes, I think so. That Betfair are seeding their own markets, and I, 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 I wonder if this big SP bet, which clearly has to be for the case to go off twenty nines, as <laughs> old Paddy Power have 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 stood that. There's, there's obviously some big big bet gone in there and they've obviously ended up stuck with a lump because to go off 29s that's how i see it they must have stood a lump because there's not enough money in the system to say if someone has had 20,000 a bet fair sp you know that to that magnitude it's going to cause it to it's a collapse so therefore they must have stood some of that because there's not enough money to sustain it well, we're all glad. We're all, we're all extremely pleased that that's that's probably the case. But, but yeah. So that was just interesting. I felt, but I mean, I, I couldn't believe what the interview after the race with Ted Walsh. <laughs> I mean, fair kudos for shoving the microphone straight up Ted's nostrils um, after he's just got goosed uh, on the running, you know, by by the Cohens. But what I found hilarious was what he said after. And, and, and if I was JP McManus, I'd never have an Austrian by him again. Ted Walsh said he let Emmett Mullins use his, school, his, his Grand National fences for schooling uh, the week before the race. Well, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think you'd have to bracket Ted, uh, Ted with Thick Dave now, wouldn't you? We've got thick, thick Dave and Thick Ted. We have now got two thicks on the uh, Bar Stewards <laughs> glossary. It's thick Ted. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't care whether you're friends, whether 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 you 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 know you you break bread together, you you go on holidays together. I don't care. When it comes to that, I'm sorry, you just say no. You just no no. You can't well, do you know. If you come to my national week and said. Look, that I want to do a bit of schooling. Can I? I just said, well, it cost me fifteen hundred quid. I might tell you the bloke's number, and they'll build you one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly that. I find that astonishing. Uh, just absolutely astonishing, and an astonishing ambition from Thick Ted um, on that. So that that covers the national national off. Did we do any good chaps in the national? What did we? What did we all do? I, I got yeah, that was on sixth place on Longhouse Point on a each multiple bet that I had going all week. Yeah, that was well, it. Well, punters will be pleased to know that um, I had four bets in the race, and uh, I, I was two of them were was out early, but I backed the second and third, so and win only. So that was a yeah. And I had my biggest bet, and I enjoyed the lane. I thought I was robbed, really, because it was going as well as anything when he crashed out. Which one was that, John? Sorry? I enjoyed the lane. He fell at the first. <laughs> yes, I had him. I had him for a few quid as well. But, and I, he was going very well at the time. So, yes. Chandering. We can look at that and say, yes, unlucky. Um, okay, we'll move on to some other topics. Uh, uh, fuck entry because we are... Um, Heading for a real flat bonanza this week. Just a plug before we continue our final topics. We are doing a Craven preview show on Monday. And uh, that will consist of me, John, and Quentin Franks going through our best bets for the Craven meeting, um, which I'm sure you'll find interesting. That will be available and online at 7.30ish, 8 o'clock-ish on Monday night. So I hope that's something to look forward to. 
and we will go through the final topics now, which are one, Clark Watch, which is a Pontefract last Monday, John. And I took immense offence to the, to the Clark last Monday at Pontefract because I saw the warning signs the day before. He was giving out good to soft ground, soft in places, or soft, good to soft in places. It doesn't matter which 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 way around you give it. But on his going stick, he had it at 6.1. So yeah. I went back through the, the, the Turf Tracks archive, and, and I'm looking at 6.1s. The last time anything came close to 6.1 at Ponty was 5.8, which was soft, heavy in places, and ended up heavy uh, that afternoon at Ponty in an October meeting. That was, the, that was 2019. So I'm thinking... There's no good to soft in that whatsoever. And what's pissing me off is that these clerks will do these readings and they'll say, go at, go at 6, 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. The Jew could be out at that point at this time of year, etc. And you get that reading, punters get that reading and think, oh, well, it's, it's, it's good to soft in places. My horse has won on good to soft before. There was no good to soft in that ground whatsoever. It was a disgrace. Graceful going description, and John, I know you've plenty to say on on, on Clark's, and I, and I think I'm sick of racing channels blowing smoke. John, what do you say? It's beyond belief, isn't it? I mean, Millington was on Twitter this week saying the armchair Clark's. Well, after time, people like us sat in our armchairs can take a look at a going stick rating two days in advance of a meeting and predict a lot closer to what the actual going will be than what the clerk advises on the day of the race meeting. Yeah. You know, and that's the annoying thing. But there's there's no censure of any clerks who provide misleading going reports or forecasts. Shit goes in the form book, unless you keep your own records. It's absolutely disgusting, and it's a basic rule of governance that the BHA neglect completely and it throws a huge shadow over the gross profits deal with the bookmakers as well, that the fact that the BHA aren't prepared to do anything about it and nobody's prepared to discuss it. The trade paper should be all over this shambles. They're not because they're enthralled to the big bookmaker advertising and it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, Spawn, and what I'm going to add to that, why is there not a going stick reading, say, 30 minutes or an hour before the first race? Well, what, why, why is a going stick such a specialised implement? You could get a member of the round staff to go around. If you're too busy having lunch with the sponsors, yeah, you can send the most junior kid on the ground staff to go out and take the readings, yeah. and, unless you've employed an absolute chimp. Because the thing is, and, and we've seen it before, how many times do we have, and including big race meetings, we're, talk, we're not talking just Pontefract Monday meetings, we're talking Cheltenham Festival meetings. It happened recently at Cheltenham Festival. They had to make going changes after the first race when everyone knew it was going to be softer than what, what was advertised. If now, we're until Monday night, though, we'll have this watering Ferrago at the Craven. Yeah, watch. <laughs> but but it's, it's just, to me, common sense that a clerk on race days should take a reading at, say, when he gets up and he walks the course with a dog at 6.30 a.m., whatever, 7 a.m., unless you're Sandown's clerk and you want to appear on the morning line at 9.30 and you delay the going report till then, when everyone's betting at 
you know, nine o'clock. Uh, I mean, that works, doesn't it? Um, I think, and then you take your second reading, literally half an hour before the first race or an hour before the first race, give the up-to-date, inf- rather than after the first, when you've backed the good ground horse in the first race, but no, 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 it's soft. Uh, but we could have told you that 30 minutes before the first, but we but we didn't. And this is the thing, and I, I, this is what annoys me. It's, it's simple stuff, and like you said, John, these clerks are paid good wages. It's 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 not really difficult to do, or or what what the job is really. It's quite simple. Just provide an accurate going description. I remember Robert Bellamy saying once off the record, um, he said he he liked to give close to good ground as often as possible, so there'd be less non-runners, more owners would turn up, they'd buy more champagne. They'd, they'd eat in the restaurant, blah de blah. Do you get it? Do you get where we're coming from? Nothing short of criminal. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. Robert Bellamy actually said that off the record, and he can sue me. He, he did. He said that, right? He said, if I give out the ground as soft when I know it's soft, then I know for a fact I'm going to have thirty or forty non-runners, blah de blah. So they give it out good to soft because they know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get away with that, you know. And it's not good to soft; it's soft, but that it, it sells more, sells more champagne, sells more. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all, you know. This, this, this is where we're at. It's absolutely, like I said, criminal, uh, and it's it's terrible for punters. So again, we'll we'll be on the case throughout this flat season with the Clark Watch and mentioning courses that do a disservice to punters. We'll be calling them out. Don't yes. Worry. So Pontefract's course, Clark, is now on the list. He's a north. He's naughty. He, he's, he's got that badly wrong, and uh, he needs to be pulled up. Before we get on to Jimmy Lindley, uh, just mention for Ben Keith, Star Sports, uh, uh, bookie, he uh, he got into a spat this week on Twitter with, uh, with uh, the Vac Pouch Company man, Adam, GG Bets on Twitter, and they had a big spat between them regarding Ben Lane bets, etc., etc., and what it all boiled down to was basically Adam as a punter was, was you know, having bets, normal bets, blah de blah And then when his horse wanted to, you know, wanted to win, land a gamble, Adam was wanting 20 times the normal stake, according to Ben Keith. And that came with expletives from Adam. Um, what's what's you two, two chaps' view on, 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 on bookmakers on this? I'm siding with Ben here a little bit. What, what are we saying? Well, I think I think I can actually see it from both sides. You're right. I mean, Star Sports and indeed any bookmaker has no uh, moral obligation to lay anyone anything. I mean, you know, c- clearly uh, punters uh, quite rightly go up in arms about heavily restricted accounts. But but you know, Ben Keith's in business to make money for Ben Keith. But what what having looked at that uh, exchange of views, it seemingly. Adam was saying that, that obviously when they signed him up, I think he was sort of promised we'll lay you uh, to lose up to 250 grand. And of course, when he's gone in with his chunky bet and they've said, no, no, you know, we're not having that. He's pointed to the fact that he was seemingly promised that kind of level. And what's probably happened is, you know, there's probably been a bit of a, a creative use of the truth. They probably said that to him to get his business. They've got him signed up. But what they perhaps should have said is, you know, we'll, we'll lay you to lose. I think you said it was 20 grand for, for owners at 11 o'clock. And anything above that is, is is subject to our discretion. But I think what your man Adam has sort of taken that as read and then, you know, has turned around and reared up and said, well, you promised me a quarter of a million quid and now you're restricting me to, to X, Y, Z. So, so I can 
kind of see it from from both angles. But but the reality is, you know, people like Star Sports and everyone else is in it to make money. And, uh, you know, if, if he comes up with a bet that's sort of 20 times a normal stake, then you're going to, you know, have a careful on it, aren't you, at the very least? Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, you can see it from both points of view, I think. Yeah. John? Yeah, I agree with what Chris says there. To be honest, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't really add to it other than, as I said, if we if we were all sat there though, as as bookmakers, you you know as well as I know, if you're if you're gonna lay a, a horse to lose a lot of money that's got four coconuts, yeah. it's never never been off. You can see it's been tenderly handled. Yeah, we're, we're naturally I mean, gonna go. Well, you know, do we really want to lay a bet on this? You know. Well, you know, it's like anything. I mean, Ben Keith, I mean, I, I, I don't sort of know the guy's MO, but but what I've read and what, what he seems to say is that he's very much about, certainly his bigger clients, about playing the punter rather than, than anything else. And, and, you know, and if your betting pattern is of a certain type, I mean, listen, if you're going in and having sort of 20 grand bets all the time in various different events, then you've got a handle on the person. But as you say, if he's coming in with monkey bets here and there and all of a sudden wants 20 grand on one, you know, forget horse racing. Say someone wanted to, someone wanted a hundred grand on trap two. Uh, you know, in, in a graded race at Harlow on a Tuesday night or whatever. You think, hang on a minute, that's just not someone who fancies that dog. That's somebody who's pretty sure of the outcome. So, you know, you know, they've got to duck and dive a little bit because you know people aren't fools and you know bookmakers aren't idiots and they're there to make money. So, you know. I can see it from both perspectives. I mean, Adam is obviously very frustrated because obviously they, you know, set whatever horse up to, 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 to try and land a punt and he's been knocked back quite considerably. And that's obviously left a sour taste in his mouth because he's probably spent a lot of money in training fees, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. No, no. no yep. Yeah, no, it's fair points, both of yeah. you. Um, just, just to add to Ben, Ben Keith's week as well, uh, I noticed the horse of his, he paid £8,500 for a horse uh, out of Tim Fitzgerald's yard. Uh, called Locked and Loaded, a very shrewd purchase, um, if I may say so. And not just after the event. I thought that looked cheap for what the horse was doing at the time. But shrewdly from Ben, he took that to France. And uh, in one year since, since obviously, buying the horse, it's won €50,000 in prize money in France, two wins, a few places. And I added up the the sort of, like, respective sort of races in, in the UK um, I think Ben had been lucky to get 15000 in prize money. And I think this is the, the massive worry. So you've got a British bookmaker that, that, that has got a Star Sports bloodstock operation. And he's, he's, he said, right, well, I'm just running this in France. Now, yeah. I, I do think this is one of the undertalked topics of racing for some reason. It's a bit like we're all waiting for the shit to hit the fan on this. And, and I think this this highlights it that he's won probably three times in France what he'd won he'd win here for a, for a cheap purchase. He's probably had a bit of fun with the horse, you know. He'd have had fun with the horse here, but obviously it'd be a lot more expensive. John, mm. what, what's your take going forwards? Because this does this sort of birds really badly, doesn't it? As soon as more owners start waking up to this, and obviously uh, my friend Christian Strangeway, he's got horses trained in France at the moment. I mean, is this is this is this going to be a continuing trend? It's a way forward, isn't it? Really, I mean, you can't blame anybody for pissing off. You know, that's the thing. I mean, prize money is it's absolutely dire. 
you know, it, it's top to tail reform we need. It's not just tweaking. And that's all they're looking at at the minute, isn't it? You know, I mean, the racing league's not going to save the game either, is it? Well, this is it. It's gimmicks. And, and this is the worrying thing that we we get shouted down as, as old fossils will get shouted down for sort of like criticizing the racing league when that's not really solving any of the problems there's no evidence of a long-term plan to secure racing's finances and make it sustainable now they've been shown time and time again with the sugar cup that racing and revenue will never be generated by team games it's not a team game, won't ever be, it doesn't work. But you get the six or seven media whores who want to be team managers, banging the drum for it. Pretty reprehensible, really, that they do that. Because if they weren't getting paid for it, I don't think any of them would be on side with it. No, no, spot on, John. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Right, suitable way to finish the topic. So we go on to Jimmy Lindley which is our uh, flagship horses to follow. John, have you spotted anything this week? I haven't, to be honest. Uh, I'm expecting to see an awful lot more once we get into next week with the Craven and then the week after the Newbury Spring meeting. Yeah, good stuff. I've got one for you, though. And this is this is, this is is an... I've looked at a few this week, and there have been one or two I could have mentioned, but it's a bit obvious, and I think I think punters wouldn't be rewarded with an ISSP with what I could have, I could have gave on on this show. There's a, the, one of Menuzier's, which uh, uh, Goldsmith, ridden by Jamie Spencer at Kempton. That's obvious. That's going to be six to four, five to four. There's no point in mentioning things like this. Jim Bolger's uh, one at Gower, and I think Fever Pitch. I think, or, or pitch level, I can't remember the name of the horse, gin, gin talking. But it ran at Gowron on Thursday or Friday. Ve- odds on favourite, very unlucky. Uh, again, it's just, it, it's it's poor it's poor from me if I mention that. So what I thought I'd go for was a, a very interesting filly of Richard Brabazon, uh, Irish trainer called Fair Damsel. Now, this horse had, had three handicapping runs um, last back end and caught my eye on two occasions from the back, doing nothing, riders doing absolutely nothing. And I thought, well, this this filly's got a future, because they obviously, they obviously want, want to bring a career going forwards um, as she matures. And she had a reappearance at Leopardstown um, uh, this week, and um, she finished 11th of 17, beating 13 and a half lengths. Now, the thing for me here was... Um, she didn't like be she didn't like being crowded in the pack. She I think she was like kind of intimidated. She sort of dropped herself back and she she was ready to stay on really powerfully in the straight. And Gary Carroll um kind of just just reined her back and just said, Well, you know, we don't want to I think they're having a feel. They're having a feel for how good she was. And I, I think there's a lot there. What's interesting is that Richard Brabazon trained the mother. And uh, the mother was a mile and a half um, uh, filly. And he brought her on the same way as he, he's brought this filly on, steadily, quietly. Um, she started off in handicaps off 64. She ended up off 80, 85, the mother. She won off 85, eventually over a mile and a half. She, she won several races. She was a, she was a good, good mare, real good mare, re, you know, a, a good trying mare. And, and I think off 58, 
I think they've got a real lot, lot to look forward to with this filly. Fair Damsel, she's called. So that's Fair Damsel for your trackers. Uh, trained by Richard Brabazon. Very impressed with her. Um, I, I think she will win a lot of races going forward off this mark. I think she'll be a lot better. I think she'll be 70, 75, mile and a half plus. Um, that that kind of trip. But watch out for her because Richard Brabazon is very shrewd. Like I say, he trained the mother. And um, yeah, interesting going forward. So hopefully that will uh, line your pockets with silver. Another one for the trackers. Right, going forwards, like I said, we've got the Craven preview. We've got the Gambling Review Part 2 coming on Wednesday. And so plenty to look forward to on Bar Stewards. Our usual show again on Friday next week. Um, so again, a lot to look forward to. That's all from me, John and Chris. We hope you've enjoyed the sermon. Bye for now. <laughs>